it's an interesting kind of perspective having been both a writer and now being an editor you know when you're a writer and you finish your manuscript and you submit it you think ah that's finished and uh, as an editor the Not manuscript comes in and you're like ah it's brand new <laughs> it's about to begin Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Today, author and editor Angela Mombriquette. interviews can take unforeseen turns. For instance, when Angela Mombriquette applied for a non-fiction editor's job at a certain publishing house, she mentioned the idea of an oral history of CBC's This Hour is 22 Minutes, which was approaching its quarter century mark. She didn't get the editor's job, but she did get a book contract to run with her idea. Now, she is the adult nonfiction editor at Nimbus Publishers, drawing on years of experience as an award-winning freelance writer, researcher, TV producer, instructor at King's College School of Journalism, and last Halloween as a disposable coffee cup. Angela <laughs> Mombriquette, welcome to Book Me. Oh, thank you very much. That's my uh, highest accolade, uh, the coffee cup. <laughs> you were fabulous. Uh, listen, I also have to thank you. Um, yes? Why? You're responsible for the title of this podcast. Oh, yes, yes. Also my proudest hour. Yeah, yeah. I understand there, there was a competition. Thing. Well, there was a little bit of a thing that went around the office, and people were uh, dreaming up ideas, and I thought, thought of a couple of things, and then this one kind of occurred to me, and I thought, oh, it's, you know, I liked it right away because it's so it's so active. It, it's like, you know, get up and book, book them, me, right? Yes. That sound yeah. <laughs> and it was, you know, hip and it sort of fit the, you know, the mood of what we were trying uh, to. And it does have an exclamation point after it. Essential. Very important. Yeah. <laughs> Let's begin with that book, 25 Years of 22 Minutes, uh, an unauthorized oral history of this hour is 22 minutes. Some people might think, uh, great. You interview uh, a bunch of talented, funny, articulate people and stitch together the best parts. In fact, what was it like? <laughs> well, it kind of was that in a way. I mean, the thing I think about when I think about that book is that it really was an editor's book. I wasn't a, a book editor at that point, but um, it was very much more about um, finding the themes and the through lines and the structure um, and finding ways to kind of weave all the stories together. So it wasn't so much about me writing things as about me finding a way to have people tell their own stories in a way that sounds like they're having a conversation with one another. You know, because I think that's one of the most important things about that book is that um, it is in the voices of the people who lived it. And it's not me telling anyone what the truth was. Um, it was those people telling their own stories. So it was really important to me to try and structure the interviews in a way that would make people feed off other people's words. So, yeah. <laughs> it was almost as if they were in the same room at the same time. It was really what I was striving for, um, and I think sometimes succeeded. So with an oral history, uh, it's not necessarily just uh, the chronological structure. You have to structure in a lot of other things. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's somewhat chronological, but then also very much thematic. So if they're talking about the origin of the show, um, then we have a conversation. Everybody has their input on what they 
um, their take on the origin of the show. What about the word unauthorized in the title? <laughs> yes, well, uh, it was complicated. You know, when I conceived the idea, I knew, of course, um, that Michael Donovan, who is the, well, who owned the company that, that ran the show, um, would want to be involved. And so we approached his company, which was called DHX, and they were very excited about the project. Um, but then uh, <laughs> I just leapt in and started working on the project. And then there were some negotiations, and it turned out that DHX, in the end, declined to be involved in the project. Did they give a reason? Not explicitly. I mean, I think it had to do with, um, you know, money. <laughs> I think, you know, cause, because the $35 billion company needed a piece of the, uh, you know, the author's pie and a book. <laughs> um, so it, it just didn't work out um, on that end. So I, so it's unauthorized in the sense that, that um, we did not have the blessing of DHX when I was writing the book. Uh, but nonetheless, I went ahead and did it anyway. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of those people involved in 22 Minutes would have been uh, their own free agents as That's well, right. I, I mean, guess. They weren't part of the company. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mo all the people that I uh, spoke with, most of the people, I did you know, speak with the cameraman there, and he didn't end up getting into any trouble. But um, uh, most of them at that point didn't have any real association with the show. I mean, the, my <laughs> greatest regret with the book, I had pursued Mary Walsh throughout the entire process, of course. And Kathy was willing to talk to me, Kathy Jones. And of course, Rick did speak with me. Um, but I really wanted Mary. And she wasn't re really working on the show anymore. She would drop in and out. And I, I pursued her. She was very busy that summer. When I finally got her on the phone, and we were about to start the interview, and I explained to her that DHX was not on board, and she was like, oh, no. I got to go talk to Michael Donovan, and uh, and that was it. That must have been terribly disappointing for you it not really, to have Mary Walsh in there. It, oh, it so much was. I mean, she's such an important part of that story, um, and it was right down to the wire. I was within like um, a few weeks of my deadline at that point. So, you know, all along I had been really optimistic, kind of hopeful that it would happen um, to really flesh the book out, and and I still hope maybe someday, you know, maybe I can revisit the book and. And, you know, when the show has finished its run, whenever that should be, and, and maybe it's flesh out It's going to outlive that. us all, you know. I know, <laughs> I know. Well, the story is that Michael Donovan wanted it to outlive Front Page Challenge, which had 38 seasons. So, and, you know, they're on to their, what, 27th now? You were also a producer on the youth uh, TV consumer show Street Sense, which was a, a groundbreaker. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand you ran into legal issues more frequently than the so-called hard news shows. <laughs> well, I mean, you'd have to talk to the senior producers about that. It, I was a field producer, um, so it didn't it didn't come up as much for us. But yeah, certainly, I think there was like was there like a ketchup lawsuit or something? I'm I'm speculating. I don't. They I don't insulated know the, you. Yes, from I, that, I, did, I did they? not. Yeah. <laughs> But that was a great show to work on. Uh, it was like 17 years of um, bringing people from coast to coast to coast across the country, young people having their own voices on television. It was, um, I think it was a really a great show. And also uh, going up against advertising, basically. Right. That, you know, all these corporations that are trying to sell them stuff mm -hmm. and, and doing their own comparisons and 
yeah. paying for labs to do comparisons yeah. that when it was beyond, you know, ordinary young consumers to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I truly think that show it is necessary today. Maybe even more so. I don't know. You know, I think it's so important that people, when now that consumer culture is so pervasive, that to have educated young people and around consumer um, activity is just, I think, would be a real boon, you know. Now, young people who would have seen that when they were kids would might now be, what, in their 30s or so? Oh, at least so. At least. Have you had, had any conversations with people uh, now about what it was like or, you know, whether that show affected them or their worldview? Yeah. I haven't personally, but I know uh, recently there was a, um, a Facebook post sort of looking back, reminiscing about Street Sense, and there were like 700 comments on this post. <laughs> and everyone was like, I remember that show. I was on that show. That was a best show ever. So, I mean, I think, you know, everyone has kind of fond memories mm-hmm. of it for sure. How much of a crossover is there from your previous roles as a, a researcher, a writer, a producer into your job as a nonfiction editor today? Hmm. Well, I think everything, it's all part of the same kind of skill set. You know, it's a matter of understanding story, understanding how important getting the research right is um, and how to translate those research ideas into either visual um, storytelling or print storytelling, you know. So when you encounter, say, someone who has a a print script for you of a nonfiction book, Mm. um, are you able to spot quickly where this person might not have quite enough experience to see some of those other aspects of putting a a book together. Maybe the research is a little weak here. Mm -hmm. The structure is a little flabby there. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think every writer has strengths and every writer has weaknesses. And I think even the best writers need editors, you know, um, some people are better in terms of story. Some people are better in terms of structure. Some people, you know, are just whiz-bang at everything. <laughs> um, but even those people can benefit from editing. I think it's an interesting kind of perspective having been both a writer and now being an editor. You know, when you're a writer and you finish your manuscript and you submit it, you think, ah, that's finished. And uh, as an editor, the Not manuscript comes in and you're like, ah, it's brand new. <laughs> it's about to begin. So very uh, interesting perspectives. I wonder, though, uh, for writers who do become editors, how hard is it to see others doing the writing and watching their books take flight <laughs> after they've passed through your hands? Uh, for me, hmm. it is a little... Well, I guess I'm, I miss being a writer. I miss the um the challenge of that and um the stimulation of that um but you know it depends on the project like some projects like Lois Legs Wounded Hearts for me but the the Protestant Orphans Home in Halifax yeah that book to me is like I feel like it's my baby as much as hers in a sense and I don't mean that I feel ownership but that I felt it was really an important work and I felt that it was really well done and uh and I was as proud of that as I would have been of of my own book you know so you get quite emotionally invested in I some really books I really do yeah, yeah. so yeah yeah. Are you able to find any time to write these days? <laughs> no, I haven't done anything. I've had ideas. 
and I've, uh, but I haven't, I haven't tackled anything yet. I think I'm, I'm close to doing that though again. There are all kinds of uh, writers workshops and courses around. What about for editors? Um, well, there's an editor's association, a national association, um, and they do a lot of professional development. Um, and that's really, I've done a number of their workshops and, and they are really valuable. Um, they're also really expensive. so <laughs> um, You don't go too often. I don't go that often, no. But uh, but there is some professional development and I really, and I, I believe in the value of professional development and always ongoing learning. Have there been some editors you've encountered who've really left you with good insights that maybe you hadn't thought all the way through or hadn't discovered yet? Oh, yeah. And in fact, I learn things from my colleagues at work every day. You know, there are three of us in the editorial department. And um, and and whenever I encounter something that I, a problem I can't solve or like a structural issue I don't know how to deal with, you know, I just bounce those things off my colleagues and and they always have insights that help me get over whatever the hurdles are that I am facing. So Maybe that's one of the things that it's really different about being a writer, which is, you know, you're working in isolation an awful lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, you just work alone, but you know, there's beauty in that too. <laughs> How many books are you working on now as an editor? Oh my goodness. Um, well, we're we're currently working on the uh, spring 2020 uh, catalog. So I've just finished. I've just sent one, two books to design, um, and I'm just starting the the first edit on another book and then I'm also working in advance on um, securing some of uh, the photography and some of the uh, logistical things around another book future book and I think I can talk about what they are sure <laughs> um, the one of the the logistical one is a, is a book on Nova Scotia folk art um, written by Ray Cronin, Cronin, who was the CEO of the uh, Art Gallery of Nova Scotia. And um, so we're working with the Art Gallery to arrange to get all the photography for that of all the artworks. And that's a huge logistical uh, challenge, but um, it's going well. I think that book's going to be amazing and really important when it comes out. So, Angela Mombergat, thank you very much for uh, coming on the show that you named. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. Angela Mombriquette is an award-winning freelance writer, the author of 25 Years of 22 Minutes, an unauthorized oral history of This Hour Has 22 Minutes, and now the adult nonfiction editor at Nimbus Publishing. To catch any or all of the conversations I've had with people who create books in Atlantic Canada, go to bookmepodcast.ca. Whenever we have a new interview ready, we post an alert on Book Me Podcast's Instagram account and... Share the link with friends, family, and book club pals, everyone you know who's a reader. We'd also love it if you could rate or review our podcast on your favorite download site. And if you'd like to comment on a podcast like this one with Angela Mombriquet, our email address is info at bookmepodcast.ca. That's info at bookmepodcast.ca. Book Me is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. Thanks to the Halifax Central Library for the use of its studio. Our producer is Robin Grant, and Lynn Fox is our technical editor who can chop an hour down to 22 minutes any day. I'm Costas Halabrezos. Now, let's go read. (laughs) 